Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, that Monday night football game, that sent entertainment back a little bit, right? Geno Smith is no Russell Wilson, and the Seahawks were struggling with Russell Wilson. And Jameis Winston is no Drew Brees, but it was enough to get the win. So, 13-10 in, uh, in the rain. It was a bit of a slog. It was all about the defense. Now, <clears throat> they've had issues, and Drew Brees was actually getting into this on the Manning broadcast last night. You know, the Saints have had to relocate, but they are 4-2. and two. They've only got to play one true home game. They've had to move games. But they're 4-2, and two, and they are playing the Bucks on Halloween. The Bucks are 6-1. and one. So if you want to win the division, this would be a good time to get a win. And I don't think they can do it. I mean, I think we all think it's the Bucks. The Bucks have looked great. And the Saints, they've, they've been grinding out some wins. Maybe they can grind one more out. Big game, though, if they intend to, to, intend to win that division. All right, DJ and PK, it is time now to talk college football. Going to hear from the coaches. Kyle Winningham coming up. Kalani Sitaki coming up. But let's start. Blake Anderson, Aggie coach with PK and I after a narrow 26-24 win over Colorado State. To put the Aggies all alone atop the Mountain Division of the Mountain West Conference. Here's the coach of the first place Aggies, Blake Anderson. Coach, good morning. Good morning. Are you just aging in dog years right now? <laughs> Football years, yes, I am. Uh, I mean, I guess I'll just keep taking them, but man, it is brutal to uh, on the heart and uh, the nerves, no doubt. Man, what a game! On the flip side, how much of this uh, improbable sometimes, and you look, look, you looked uh, possible strong possibility of defeat on on Friday night. On the flip side, how much is it building confidence in the team? Like yeah, we can do this, no matter what. Yeah, I think I think there's some of that there. I mean, when you look at how some of these games have gone and the last second scores and even, you know, surviving this one as crazy as that got, I think every time you go out, you, there's some there's some confidence that, that builds within the team that kind of been here, done that, don't have to panic. Uh didn't didn't panic the other night, didn't play great in in the yes, really the first time I guess a little bit of UNLV the other day, you know, they were they I think their chances of, of success were pretty small with time and in the situation. This this was a little different. It was more very, very much uh, a real possibility that they're good enough to go down and, and tie it or win it. So I, I think it's the first time we've really been in that. To survive it even as ugly as it was, I think it's got to build some confidence in you guys. We've been there. We can do it. And, and maybe we'll respond even better you know, in, in the next situation that looks like that. Do you think putting them in situations like this in practice really pays off, or it's just different with twenty, thirty thousand 30,000 people roaring and just the fact you were able to do it, Washington State got these guys off on the right foot and got them rolling? Yeah, I, I, you put them in that situation in practice, but there's nothing quite like the real thing. The, the energy that's in the place, the, the fact that, yeah, they do score here or we lose. I mean, you, you, they score in practice. Yeah, we lost the drill, but we get to try this again tomorrow. I mean, this is, you know, this is it. This is final. It happens, and you either get it done or you don't. You either make the shot or you don't. Uh, There's nothing like the gravity of that situation to learn from. And luckily, we're learning a lot of really good lessons after a win because we made a ton of mistakes that could have very easily cost us the game. And and we've, we've had this conversation before, but at least we're having it after wins and not after losses. And 
look all across the country. Half of us got it done. Half of us didn't. Yeah. A couple of things on those uh, things that you didn't do well, uh, allowing a running back uh, go for 159, and then the pass defense at the last uh, drive, which they end up missing the field goal by not, you know, we know how what happened there. Uh, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on a, a kid running for 160 yards and then uh, the other team allowing them to get down the field against the clock there at the end? Yeah, I would have. You know, it, it doesn't surprise me a ton that their their rushing yards is going to be fairly high. They're built huge, way bigger than we are right now, and so we're we're trying to do a lot of things with slanting, moving, and quickness. And it, at times it worked, at times it didn't. But everybody they put on the field offensively, even including the wideouts, are, are big. I knew it was going to be it was going to be about slowing them down and, and hopefully getting them off schedule somewhere and making them kick some field goals. And I thought we did a really, really good job of that up until the last two drives. And and the thing about the last two drives is we got way out of character. We saw a lot of the same concepts and, and things formationally that we'd already seen in the game and defended. Well, I think we, we let the, you know, that, that moment, the emotion of that moment really, have us do some things that, that we had not done the whole game. And that's where the frustration uh, comes in, and that's something we're going to teach off of because we literally saw – we didn't see any new route combinations, any new formations. We just got outside the framework of the defense, and we gave up some big plays. And Had we just played it the way we played them earlier in the game, in similar calls, you know, we, I felt like we could have got them off the field. So that's, that's where I think we'll learn a lot. And, again, we're learning it after a close – you know, win as opposed to uh, a close loss, and, and we're fortunate in that sense. Right. So the media and the fan base can look at the standings and say three and one. Wow, they're in the lead. They got the tiebreaker on CSU and Air Force. They can win this division. They should win this division. So there'll be a lot of that talk. And I'm wondering. You know, you had a big rebuild in front of you, we thought, coming in off a one-win season, new coaching staff and all that. At what point did you or have you brought up winning the division and going to the conference title game? I haven't brought it up at all. We don't talk about it at all. This is the same team that the entire football world, including most of our fan base, thought would have been, you know, two and five, not five and two. So um, we've been favored in two games all year and and, and – one against a one double A opponent, and one against a team that was was uh, is still haven't won a game in two years. I mean, I, I get who we are and who we're not, and we don't talk about any of that. We're talking about being one degree better today. We we still make a ton of mistakes that can lose us any game down the stretch. I said this: we could win them all, we could lose them all just as easily, and we're we're we are in a rebuild. But these guys are battling, and we're finding a way to be successful as we build. I mean, we're not big enough yet. But we overcome it with speed and quickness and, and toughness and just energy level. Uh, we don't have enough depth at any position yet, but we'll get there. But we didn't want to wait to be competitive, and the kids have allowed us to be competitive while we develop, while we recruit, while we fill in gaps and holes, and, and while we build this program. And we're only going to get better, but for right now, I mean, you, you got to give the kids the credit. They believe, and they're working hard, and they're, they're out running and out working and out lasting people is really what they're doing. So you speak of that depth, that running back, Tyler, did not play. Your leading rusher, Noah, didn't have a great uh, average per carry, but, man, he's a tough nut who can get you some some yards the tough way, can he? Yeah, no doubt. Physical runner. Uh, I thought he and, and Lockheed both came in and, and ran the ball physically. That's probably 
if it's not the best front we've seen, I think the entire D line and line, I think they're all seniors. They are really good. They they handled this most of the night. But luckily, we were able to spread them out a little bit and find some creases and a huge, a couple of huge runs, especially late in the game while we're trying to get the clock down and make it really tough for them to have enough time to to come back. Uh, I wish we'd have popped one more on third and two or three down here and, and been able to extend that drive. But I thought I thought Noah did a really really good job. He protects the ball. He's not going to outrun you know a defense. But he can he can make the guy miss and, and, and fall forward when he's getting collision. And you saw some of those really, really tough yards against a very good defensive front that, uh, I mean, ultimately just enough to help us win the game. Blake Anderson joining us, Utah State head coach. Uh, is Tompkins just going to keep doing this? I mean, he's got to be a Mark <laughs> Ban by now. Six catches, 104 yards. It's another day at the office. Yeah, he uh, – yeah, they they had him doubled the entire day. They 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 were not going to let him get singled. But he, again, you got to give uh, Coach Tuck and Coach Cephalo credit for creating some some different looks, some leverage points to get him clean. Uh, yeah, obviously, Derek Wright stepped up and had a huge game. Uh, Brandon Bowling had another huge catch or two. One of the best catches of the night on a, on a third and long late in the game when we're trying to run the clock out. So I mean, it's. All hands on deck, and everybody's doing a great job, but it's just hard to take a guy away that's that versatile that can really line up at, at five different positions, and we're doing that. Uh, you're going to double him here, but then you're going to catch him in a single, and, and, and he and Bonner are, are, are doing a great job of connecting. Their timing is really good. They're on the same page. So I think there's a, I think everybody involved gets a lot of credit, and honestly, mostly him, because hardest working dude on the team, super high IQ, and can can line up at so many different spots, and so it gives you a lot of flexibility on how to try to get him open. The sequence of plays involving Bonner uh, early in the game, it's third and long, and he puts a pass right on the money. There was the, the coverage was excellent, but it was pinpoint accuracy. Couldn't have handed it better. And the next play, he scrambles and picks up a first down. I think you punted on that possession, so you didn't get any points. But I, w- I was very impressed with him on back-to-back plays. And you know, he's a new guy to us. You obviously know him back there from Jonesboro. But for us, we're just finding out about him now. I'm wondering, uh, getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but I, it dawned on me. You get any feedback from the NFL people regarding him? Well, they they definitely see the arm talent. Uh, you know, he's he's battled a bunch of injuries, so he hasn't played a full season in quite a while. The last couple of years with thumb surgery and some injuries a year ago, and then COVID made it so to get him through a full season, and that's become a challenge. He got sacked eight times the other night. That's how good they were up front. He got hit several more. Uh, and we've obviously seen kind of the wear and tear that already he's taken this season. They see arm talent. They see a guy that doesn't need a lot of space to throw, which at that level is a huge thing because the pockets collapse so quickly. They see a guy that can move his feet enough to at least be mobile and, and protect himself a little when he's healthy. And they also see a super quick release. Now, turn the ball over too much, I think, to really say what his ceiling is. That's something he's not done in the past. I think part of that is he's learning kind of our new system. It's different than what he's done in the past, uh, and hopefully that'll just continue to get better. He's got another year under his belt. Um, you know, he'll, he'll have a complete off season in the summer, and I do think you know people are going to see him continue to grow. He does have the power to throw at the next level. Now, you know, he's not the big six foot four guy, so 
it would take the right system, but we're seeing a lot of guys that are in that six-foot range have success up there right now in the systems that are they're running that are very similar to ours. You got Hawaii coming up, and for years I think people are used to them spreading it out and throwing it all over the place, but uh, they got a running back averaging seven yards a carry. Uh, what what does Hunter do so well? How are they getting him those kind of numbers? Well, they're still spreading it out, but they're, it's more of what your you know your true spread RPO. They put a lot of guys in conflict. The quarterback can run as well, so you got to have a number for him. Todd Graham, the head coach there, very similar to what they did at Arizona State when he was there. Um, it just there's enough different ways to put you in conflict that it does create a lot of space for him, and he is talented. He can go. If you give him a if you give him a gap, he's going to outrun you to the end zone. We've seen that with some of the games they've won already this year and surprised some folks. So I love the fact they got to come to us. Uh, it's going to be a completely different look than what we just saw. These guys had two and three tight ends and packed in there. Todd, you know, Hawaii's going to spread you out and try to create space for this guy. And it's and he is faster. Not as big and as powerful as what we just saw, but he has a lot more speed. So if you're not right where you're supposed to be, I mean, he, he can get loose on you quick. That was going to be my other question, Coach Hudson Bonner, because we've seen him now limp off, holding various body parts as he's coming <laughs> off the field. Can anything be done to mitigate this? Because it does look like he's taking a beating. Yeah, we got to be we got to be a little smarter about uh, moving him a little bit. Uh, we're going to use the screen game a little bit more to our advantage. Uh, we're we're max protecting a lot, but honestly, even when we max protected, these guys were these guys were good enough to get there. We we knew they were good. They even exposed us a little bit more. We are playing down the line on the O-line with some guys that haven't played a lot, and at times it, it, it was they were tough matchups. But we do. We talked a good bit over the you know yesterday and, and this morning already about how to to create some uh, some different launch points for him and to slow things down and try to protect him a little bit more. And, and I mean, I, he, he he feels better I think this morning than than you might think. I mean, he did get banged up a good bit, but. Luckily, it's just it's just that just kind of bumps and bruises. The more athletic and the better he feels, the the more he's able to protect himself. He just got to a point the other night. He was a little bit of a sitting duck. He was he was battling, and he's a tough dude. He ain't coming out, and and he obviously made some huge throws that helped us win that game. But um, I'm hoping we can kind of find that middle ground and protect him a little bit more. Coach, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again next week after the Hawaii game. Sounds great, guys. Appreciate it. There's Blake Anderson. When we come back, the first place Utes coming off a loss at Oregon State. Kyle Whittingham next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes return home to the friendly confines of Rice-Eccles Stadium for a key Pac-12 South Division battle against Chip Kelly and UCLA. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Saturday with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to go up on the hill to Kyle Whittingham's press conference. Yeah, a lot of bad news at Oregon State. Still some good news in the standings and a huge game with UCLA. Here's Kyle. Okay. All right. Coming off a physical game at Oregon State. Um... I thought our offense played well. We did some good things offensively, a lot of good things offensively, uh, over 450 yards. 
total low, didn't turn the ball over. Uh, you know, very productive, a lot of first downs, 28 first downs. One thing we didn't do well in offense was red zone production. Got in the red zone eight times and only came in with four touchdowns, which is uh, need two more. You know, if we can get six out of eight, then that's a really good percentage. But four out of eight uh, was really, that was really our demise on offense was the, was the red zone. Uh, touchdown uh, percentage um, defensively didn't play well at all soft in the run game uh, they rushed for 260 yards over six yards of carry which we knew going in that if that was uh, and that has, been, that has been Oregon State's MO all year long and we knew going in that if if they were able to do uh, what they usually do it wasn't going to be a, a good situation for us and they did exactly that they they ran the football uh, very effectively uh, not a lot of throwing yards enough uh, a couple hundred but uh, we just uh, weren't our usual selves on on uh, defense and that's you know it was early in the year we had that same issue then it went away and and uh, as far as our run defense and it showed back up on uh, on Saturday so so we sit uh, still in pretty good position in the Pac-12 South you know it's still anybody's uh, well not anybody's but there's uh, you know three teams really uh, vying for it right now for the title and uh, still not quite to the halfway point at least we're not four games down five to go in conference play but a uh, big one this week as they all are against UCLA um, they're running the football well you know in addition you know second only to Oregon State in the uh, conference as far as uh, rushing production they're playing the run extremely tough their their defense allowing less than 100 yards a game rushing which uh, is leading the league and so they've got uh, dynamic players the quarterback is a dynamic player he's talented uh, two good running backs and with the way the quarterback runs the ball they got three really good runners um, receiver uh, the Phillips kids a great player uh, like I mentioned defensively they're they're pretty stingy against the run uh, scoring 33 points or thereabouts uh, a game offensively so very productive they're a good team and and uh, uh, chip is always hard to defend he's gonna have uh, you know some things you haven't seen every single week he's got uh, things that uh, that you haven't practiced and, and that you got to be able to adjust to during the course of the game and and uh, so we got to Got a challenge ahead of us. Uh, we're at home, which is a positive, back home in Rice Eccles. And uh, I think it's going to be a late kickoff. Has that been announced yet for sure? Yes, 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. So there you go. Another late kickoff. So should be a great crowd and another great environment. So questions? Now, you, you, you've always been pretty stout on the run defense and different things that way. Where, where do you kind of assess that to right now. I mean, obviously, Devin was taking out the game late, but where kind of the Starting three freshman D, D linemen is, uh, <laughs> you never make excuses because if you're out there, you got to perform. But we're just not quite where we need to be up front yet. Uh, and uh, we've had flashes during the course of the year, but uh, not quite enough consistency. And, uh, you know, when we lost Devin, that was, that was obviously a blow, but we had been soft before he was gone, and so it wasn't... Uh, that wasn't the uh, the key to the whole thing, but we certainly missed him when he got got ejected. Kyle, with the red zone trips that ended with no points, were you were you okay with the play calling? Yeah, I think one time, one of the times we should have run the ball uh, more. I think it was the time when we were heading, as we look at it, to our left, you know, in the left left uh, end zone, but. Uh, you know, you can always question the calls. If they work, they're great calls. If they don't, you know, you question them. But, but uh, I would like to see a little more physicality to answer your question in the, in the inside the five.
in the red zone. Devin, you had some time to presumably see the film. Do you still think that the Devin Lloyd targeting should not have been? Correct. I don't think it should be called. I do not think it should be called. My my estimation and and uh, but I'm not the one that counts. So it was called and and uh, so we got to live with it. UCLA may or may not have DTR playing on Saturday. I mean, he's got it banked up in that Oregon game. He'll play. He's a tough kid. <laughs> he'll he'll be there. Yeah, I'd be shocked if he's not there. But how do you how do you prepare for somebody like him, knowing that you, you've seen dynamic running quarterbacks, but. You know, he's obviously given fits to a lot of people. He has. A lot like uh, the Arizona State quarterback. It'll be very similar to what he brings to the table. And uh, you know, we've seen him. This is the third time we've seen him, I guess, uh, through the years. But uh, he is uh, lightning quick. And like I said, he's like another running back on the field, essentially. How is UCLA's running attack like Oregon State's and how is it it's a little more diverse. Oregon State just hammers you with the zone and the stretch, and they do it over and over. And they do it as good as anybody in the country, and uh, their combina- their blocking combinations, their their footwork with their O line, their aiming points, uh, how they get up to the next level. I mean, they're as good as there is in the country at that. And uh, UCLA has uh, you know got some similarities in the run game, but a little more. Uh, they'll give you a few more looks than than what uh, Oregon State will. Any of the injuries that were sustained Saturday, are they serious or season-ending? Don't know for certain. We're still evaluating that. And, in fact, what time is it noon? We should know by this afternoon a lot more. How, how do you teach physicality? I mean, obviously, like, that's not been a thing that you've had to worry about necessarily in the program, but you said you want to be more physical. Where, where do you go from that? Well, you, you recruit it, first of all. That's the number one thing is you recruit physicality. And, and like I said, we've got some, some young front guys that aren't – quite yet as big and strong as they're going to be they're going to be really good we got a lot of confidence in them going forward but right now uh you know we don't have the 315 pound lucky photos and guys we've had in the middle they're you know 295 290 ish but but uh, again they'll get bigger and better as uh, time goes on there's quite a bit of the quarterback run game for you guys are you yeah, I wouldn't say there was more quarterback run game. He pulled it down a few more times. There wasn't any more designed runs than we've had in the past. But you're 100% accurate. He took some hits, and that's you know that's a learning process. And I'm we're comfortable with with uh, Cam running the ball because he gives us so much when he does. But he's got to be much more use better judgment at the end of the runs and, and take some of those hits off himself by stepping out of bounds, sliding, whatever the case may be, because he's so competitive and such a I mean, he wants to win uh, as bad as anybody I've ever been around and, and wants to do anything he can to help. And at times, he has put himself in some situations where, you know, you're just hoping he gets up because uh, there's some pretty good hits. And so hopefully going forward, we see him continue to add that 40 to 75-yard-ish range of runs or of yardage in the run game, but not take the uh, the hit at the end of the play, be, a, be smarter and be able to uh, avoid that. Following up on that with – Cameron Rising's decision to pull it, to tuck it and run. Mm-hmm. They picked up some some first down, some good yardage. Oh yeah. I'm curious to get your thoughts on decision making with in terms of I thought he did a great job with that, and, and when when the you know things were not there and things were covered up, I, I don't think he prematurely pulled it down. I think he I think he made good decisions each time, and uh, 
that's uh, you know that what he brings to the table in the run game is is part of what makes him so effective. He's in the top ten in the nation in QBR. I think he's number eight. He was number five last week, and and that's your best barometer of how a quarterback is playing because it takes into account everything: how often he's getting sacked, how many yards he's getting rushing the football, how well he's throwing the football. All that is is packaged into that uh, rating, and he's is you know he's playing really well. Uh, with Devin out for the first half on Saturday, how do you balance the rest in practice knowing that he's not playing for two quarters? Yeah, that's that's another good question. And, and we uh, will have to have a, a guy ready for the first half that will take his reps. And, and we'll just have to split those up and divide them kind of 50-50 you know, with what Devin gets and what what the, the replacement kid will get. And so that's uh, going to be a juggling act. But, uh, you know, Devin is a, a very – experienced, accomplished guy. He doesn't need a ton of reps, and so we'll probably err on giving the the, the backup uh, or the guy that's going to start in place of him more reps. It's only one game, but the special teams have been kind of close getting kicked, blocked. Yeah. Where, where do you go from here now? With yeah, well, first of all, the, the uh, first block was he got it out in 184, which is really fast. It was a, it was a protection breakdown. It wasn't uh, the punter mechanics. It was just slow. Now, the second one, which fortunately didn't count because that would have been even more disastrous uh, at that point in the game, uh, it was too close to the shield. That was a, a, an error with the punter getting too close to the shield. Now, the kick came out really low trajectory. I don't know if you saw it in slow motion, but but very low trajectory. And so that was uh, more on the punter. But... but uh, you know, people have been testing us, you know, and particularly in the last game when we have a new snapper because uh, our snapper's gone for the season. So so they're going to test you out, but but it wasn't a snapping issue. The snapper played just fine in the game on Saturday and did a great job with his uh, place-kicking snaps as well as short snaps. But uh, that was a uh, is a concern, and we've got to shore that up this week. Could you evaluate uh, the contributions that uh, Theo Howard has made in the program? Theo's uh, done a nice job for us. Uh, maybe caught not hasn't cut as many balls as maybe we projected, at least not yet. Uh, had to leave the game with an injury on Saturday, uh, one of those injuries that we're, we talked about that we won't know uh, for certain whether he's uh, going to be able to go or not for, for uh, a, a day or two. But uh, Theo's a, a guy that works hard. He's a great teammate. Always uh, has a great attitude and, and uh, really enjoy having him on our team. In a general sense, um, do you worry about the emotional toll on the players moving forward here with this season in light of what's happened? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, that's always that's that's something that we're continuing to to work through, and and uh, like I said before, we'll get through it. We won't get over it, but we will get, at some point get through it completely. Um, but it's uh, it's a challenge. Everything's a challenge. I mean, everything is. Uh, I get I worry about everything, and that's one of the things that uh, has been uh, certainly hard on our team is is uh, working through that. If that answers that. What was your biggest takeaway from the game against Oregon State for your team just as a whole? What, what was your takeaway? Uh, I would say the takeaway is we got a bunch of competitive guys that have no quit in them. I would say the offense is starting to find a rhythm. Knock on wood, you know, hopefully that continues. We That's two games over 450 yards of offense and a bunch of first downs and a bunch of points and taking care of the football. And so hopefully we're starting to uh, – Discover and, and and be who we who we uh, envisioned we could be early in the season or in the in fall camp. 
defensively, inconsistent throughout the year. Uh, more good than bad, but some games that we just that's not us you know games that we just it's not our it's not our uh, uh, usual uh, defensive output and the special teams has been as we mentioned uh, had some real uh, bad moments you know there's some bright spots too with Covey in the return game you know, we're as good as there is in the country in punt return but as good as we are there we're that bad in some other areas if your defense isn't able to kind of beat to the standard that you've had you feel do you feel confident in your offense in the, in, the, in the sense that maybe you could win games in the shootouts and traditionally you kind of grind it out a little bit? Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and, and uh, I think our defense is going to be fine in the long run. You know, I'm not. I'm talking beyond this year. Again, we're you keep going back to it, but when you got seven or eight, nine, ten freshmen that are playing considerable, there's going to be some. You're going to take some lumps. There's just no way around it. You can't. You can't not have that happen. Is our offense ready to win a game 51-48? We're getting closer, you know, but hopefully it doesn't come to that. But but uh, we're we're. Uh, Certainly not where we need to be on defense right now. What is the strength of UCLA's defense? Uh, athleticism and speed. They got they got talented guys. Uh, they got a good defensive tackle. Ninety six, I think, is his number. Ninety one, ninety six. Big strong kid in the middle. Um, they're very sound. You know, quarters coverage is their base coverage. Uh, then you get into uh, longer yardage, and they'll mix in some zone pressure and some split safety look, uh, or some some other looks other than quarters in the back end. But uh, it, I would say it's just their overall uh, athletes, a lot like Arizona State, very athletic at each level. Do they do anything specifically that will make you change what you do? Obviously, maybe USC went three three five a little bit, but uh, UCLA seems to be more. Do defensively for us, yeah. uh, I don't think there's going to be wholesale changes defensively. We just got to be, and the things that really hurt us against Oregon State was not schematics. It was physically getting beat at the point of attack, getting blocked, not coming off a block, popping out of a gap, and so it wasn't like we were we were uh, just getting. Uh, you know, mental mistakes everywhere needed a different scheme. We just need to play more sound up front in the front seven. And we also gave up some, some big plays down the field. You know, we had plays that, that uh, you know, too many big plays uh, in the throw game against uh, Oregon State, but, but it was the run game that did us in. There's Kyle Whittingham, Kalani Sataki, up next, getting ready to go against Bronco Mendenhall. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. Huh! 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 It's back-to-back home games for Utah State as Blake Anderson and the Aggies square off against Hawaii in Maverick Stadium. Listen all week long for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action beginning with the Aggie pregame show Saturday at noon. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We have heard from Blake Anderson and Kyle Whittingham in this hour. Now it's time to check in with BYU's head coach, Kalani Sataki, getting ready to go against... The former BYU head coach, Bronco Mendenhall. Virginia, 6-2. BYU, 6-2. Big game Saturday night on ESPN2. At the same time, the youths are playing UCLA in a big game over on ESPN. Here is Kalani Sataki with the media. Okay. Uh, 
another week, another game. Uh, looking forward to being at home after being on the road the last couple weeks. And so uh, really excited to play in home Saturday night. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about seeing our fans on the road. Uh, that's always fun, but it's always good to be back home and, and in front of all our, our fans and, and in front of our student section. So looking forward to the game, looking forward to the matchup um, with Virginia. Uh, very explosive team, especially on the offensive side. They, uh, they lead and they're, they're in the top of a bunch of categories offensively. Um, and in college football and well coached uh, obviously Bronco Mendenhall is their head coach and does an amazing job with that group you can see uh, that the time that he spent in it and uh, the wonderful schemes that they come up with and, and uh, the, the style of uh, how they play the game very familiar to what we've seen here uh, for way uh, you know more than a decade in BYU football so looking forward to the matchup Obviously, some things that we can need to work on from last week, looking to get better. And so there's a lot of a lot of uh, urgency from us this week to, to get to work and looking forward to the guys. I, I, I come talk about Washington State game. Love the effort. Kind of like I said, uh, um, post game, uh, obviously some things that we can fix, but uh, I'm glad the guys keep fighting and they keep believing in each other. And the effort was awesome. So we just put together a game plan and see what we can get get, get done this weekend and how much we can improve this week. Thanks, Coach. We have questions now from Jared Lloyd and then Jay Drew. Lonnie, we were, Bronco did his press conference a couple hours ago, and he talked about similar journeys, the fact that you both were defensive coordinators, got your first opportunities to be head coaches at BYU. And I don't know what kind of relationship you have with them, but what's that like? Just a different dynamic in that sense. You, you touched on it, but this week having the, the previous head coach come in with his new team. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of BYU guys on that staff. And so uh, there's a great connection between our staff and their staff and, and, and um, guys that played football here and guys that put in a lot of effort and energy and sacrificed a lot of their time here at BYU. So we're always going to be supportive of them. And, uh, you know, we, we, we tend to watch a lot of the Virginia games because we, we want to support those guys and we're friends with a lot of them. And, and uh, for, you know, I have tons of respect for Bronco Mendenhall and uh, what he's done here here at BYU, but um, the, the type of man that he is, the leader that he is, uh, he, he, he produces great people in his football programs. And uh, it's been a pleasure for me to, to, to be here and to take over, um, you know, as a, as, a, as a new head coach in a program that he established and laid the foundation and was able to really do some great things. And so I have a, a deep, uh, deep appreciation and gratitude to him. And, um, you know, we still consider all those guys BYU guys. And so, um, you know, we, we support Virginia and we want to see them win. And, and uh, whenever we have uh, games and we do, we have success, um, it's pretty much a given that we'll get a lot of praise coming from back east and a lot of the guys on that staff and, and people that reach out to myself and others on our, on our team uh, with congrats. And so just a classy organization and it's because they're head coach and what he does as a leader. Uh, and so you can tell his players love him. He does a great job. And, and um, you know, uh, I like his style of, of coaching and leadership. I think he, he uh, gets the most out of his young men and they love him. And so uh, that's always going to be good with me. And, and I have a, a, I mean, you know, if you look at the, the 
the last um, you know 16 years or so there's there's been two guys in that seat and he's one of them so I think if there's anybody that would understand a little bit what I'm going through he would be the guy so I'm looking forward to connecting with him pre-game and, and uh, you know I'm going to give him a warm welcome that he deserves because of the time that he spent here and the things that he's done for this organization being a BYU fan myself have tons of appreciation for that for, for him on that but once the, the, the game starts we'll go back to the game being, being about the players and once it's finished regardless of the outcome, that that level of respect and, and and appreciation and love will still be there for him and his staff. Do we make too much of it, Kalani? Because I know at the end of the day, it's a football game, and we always bring it up with Kyle at Utah, and now Bronco coming back this week. Do you, it, outside, is it maybe bigger deal than than maybe it is inside? Because you guys you guys got to play football. Yeah, I think we try to stay f- as focused as possible, and, and on what our job is, you know. And but I, I think it's. Uh, I've been through it. I've, I've been where, where you come back to, to a place and, and uh, you know, you, that you've you spent time at. And so for me being a former player to come back here and coach, it was different. But it was pretty cool to see see the familiar faces and things like that. And um, it, it's, 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 a, it's a really cool experience. And I, um, for me, I think everybody can handle it however they, they want. But uh, I would hope fans would just be thinking about uh, the energy, the time, the sacrifice, the hard work that Bronco and his staff uh, did here and how it deserves um, it deserves great gratitude and appreciation and love. And then when we go to the game, we go play the game and the players on in, in the same colors deserve all their cheers. And, um, you know, but afterwards, uh, I hope that we can, you know, I've always said that to, to, it's not good to, to want bad things uh, for good people. This this would fit in that in that uh, that sense where uh, it'd be good for us to support Bronco um, as a you know we're looking at a church member. He's a leader and he's he's producing some great things, not just football, but a lot of great things out there in in the East Coast and. Uh, they'd be okay for us to, to want them to do well in every game but this one. Bonnie, uh, when you were at Utah, how often did you face a Robert and I offense as the D coordinator? And what do you just, what are some of the things that uh, stand out about it? I, don't, I can't remember all the, all the years. I can barely remember what I ate for breakfast this morning. So, um, I, I, I mean, there's a style that Robert has very effective and, and Robert is, is a guy that um, requires a, their old line to be physical but he utilizes everybody on the field including the quarterback and uh, look at what what um, coach and I has done with that offense I mean the they're at the top you know they, they score a lot of points they get a lot of yards uh, they're very difficult to defend they use so many different guys in so many different ways I mean they have receivers and, and guys that look like receivers that are playing tight end positions they have really big uh, big O line um, they can have a quarterback that's really uh, he's really efficient in his throwing and then he can run the ball so um, they utilize him in that way but then you have a, just a bunch of different weapons that he uses and um, he's evolved where he now uses there's so many guys, so many different ways. He's always done that, but um, yeah, they're just spreading the ball all over the place, man. And, and it's not uncommon to see a receiver or a tight end or, um, you know, different type of 
personnel in the backfield running the ball and even running out as an option pitcher. And most times you see receivers go out, you know, in the backfield and they run something to the outside like fly sweep or stretch play. And and he's running power and he's running counter downhill stuff with, with that personnel makes it difficult to defend. Um, but well organized, uh, efficient, and they score a bunch of points, get a bunch of yards. So it'll be it'll be a, a tough matchup, but we're looking forward to it. I, I think he'll get the most out of us. We'll take questions now from uh, Mitch and Sean. Bonnie, you mentioned uh, uh, earlier that if there's a person that knows what you're going through, it would be Bronco. So I ask, uh, you know, when you first started in 2016 or in the years since, did Bronco ever reach out to you or did you reach out to Bronco for advice or, or pointers on how to navigate this BYU head coach position? Difficulty with with head coaches um, uh, connecting quite often is that uh, you don't want to intrude on their time, you know. So uh, for for me, it's I didn't want to like invade his his space going there and and getting a, a new program set, and then I'm trying to do the same thing here with with a bunch of new faces. So uh, we we started to connect a little bit more when in in like settings like uh, conventions and things like that. We'd always uh, talk for a little bit and and spend some time together, and then. Um, like Lavelle's um, funeral service, things like that, that we can we can kind of connect and talk. But I don't think uh, it was um, – I think we were so busy doing that, um, trying to get our program set and our identity as, as coaches set and our culture set – I mean, our uh, uh, um, our scheme set at, at the programs with our, with our new staff. So not a lot of that. But the – there's a bunch of coaches that are friends of mine there too. I mean, that guys that are position coaches and support staff members that that are you know friends with me and other coaches on our on our staff here. So those relationships just don't all of a sudden stop. And I wanted to ask you uh, maybe just the the latest status on MP Romney, Fauite, and Haas. Any of those guys possibilities for this week? The hard part about doing this at noon that that, that hour is that we don't know enough, right? So. Um, maybe we'll ask the people that you guys do interviews with after practice. So maybe a rod or Fessy or someone will get on and give you some information on those guys and, and Elisa. But, uh, right now I don't have a lot to give you. So they're really being evaluated, uh, as we speak. And so, you know, whether the news gets, I mean, I, I imagine by the time after practice, everyone will know what's going on. If it's season ending or if it's going to be some time, but right now I don't have any info, info for you. Go ahead, Sean. Coach, you, uh, you touched on Virginia's quarterback, Brennan Armstrong a little bit. And, and just what do you see out of him that kind of stands out to you about him? And, and maybe more importantly, it seems like Bronco and, perhaps more accurately, Jason Beck, their quarterbacks coach, another BYU guy that you talked about is kind of providing this nice track record over there of really good quarterbacks. So is, is, is his Armstrong kid just kind of another one in their line that they're making or, or what stands out the most about him? Well, I think there's, there's a lot of, um, if you talk about foundation and how they, the core of how they teach, um, he fits exactly what they've been doing. And that, that goes before even Virginia, if that goes out to here, that quarterbacks are, are well coached and uh, they have a high football IQ and um, 
you could you could just see when you're watching him that he's got this great presence about him, um, and he's got this moxie. He's got this confidence that you want in a quarterback, and he's a great leader. And so you see that, and then you combine that with his skill set, which is he's tough. He can run. And then he throws efficiently and makes great decisions. So uh, when you have all that combined with all the skill that they have on their team, you're going you're gonna to score a lot of points and, and make a lot of defenses look silly. So we've got to be ready to work and we've got to you know, make sure that we don't make a lot of mistakes because they can, they can put you in a, in a bind with matchups and a lot of different things. And then they, they also can go some tempo. So they, they really stress the defense and, uh, you know, they get a lot of young guys and even experienced guys watch the film and in bad positions and and uh, the quarterback finds he finds the one mistake that you make on defense and he exposes you real quickly go ahead Jake yeah, Kalani, you do this often where you guys go west to east, two time zones to face off against teams on the east coast is it easier to go east to west or west to east or does it really matter I don't know. I, I don't know. That I never heard that question before. But it, it, it's hard to go uh, two time zones away, right? And so um, I don't know if the difference. If you look at like when Hawaii leaves the islands and comes out here, compared to when we go there, I don't know. I just think everybody would like to play at home, you know, and and uh, or take a bus ride somewhere rather than get on the plane. But the, I think when it all when it's all said and done, everybody's used to traveling. They they get they get it and you get there and as long as there's air that you can breathe and and uh, you know you can there's a field to play a football game and the guys are going to be fine. I don't, I don't think it really adds much to the uh, to preparation and to the you know as far as advantage one way or the other. I also want to just ask you for a thought on the Virginia defense. Nick Howell and Kelly Papinga running that defense. What do you see from them? Yeah, really good defense, and and, and um, they don't. If you look at them, they got some really good size. I know they've been they've dealt with some injuries. That's always tough to go with, but scheme wise, and you're looking at um, the effort and the assignment, sound football, the great fundamentals, great technique, and so. Um, and then you know those are good, some really good coaches. So they, they have. I like what they do scheme wise. I think they utilize their talent really well. Um, so it's going to be tough. I mean, this is a tough team. And then and you look at uh, what they've done all year long, that they're, they're well coached in every phase and uh, they get great effort and the guys believe in each other. So that's, you have all that combined with great coaching and, and you know, just, it's going to be a good matchup. Glad we have them at home. You've been coaching BYU as an independent. You guys will be jumping into the Big 12, but they're stepping away from ACC play now to come out and play you guys in a non-conference matchup. Do you think that affects a team in any way to have to step away from conference play to play a non-conference game, or does it really matter in, in any sense? I don't know if it matters. I mean, I think you watch them and they, when they play uh, week to week, they have the same mindset, same approach. Um so I, I don't think I don't, I don't think that really plays into it. You know, the, they dominate a lot of people. You know, and, and they do some great things in all three phases. So I, I don't I don't see them looking at this as a as a, a step down in competition as it being a, a 
a uh, G5 team or type or something like that. I, I see them looking at it as another opportunity for them to play. Uh, Bronco does a great job of getting his players ready. So they'll, they'll be ready for the game. And I need to make sure that I get our guys ready. Hey, question from John Walker. Yeah, Coach, if I could move away from Virginia and Bronco and homecoming and all that, even a little bit away from this week's preparation. Uh, but you touched on this a little bit in post game, but just wanted to get maybe a little bit more. Uh, you guys obviously get that six win, clinch bowl eligibility again for another season. Um, and that's obviously a big deal for the practices and whatnot. But can you just kind of give us a little more on on why – I guess being bowl eligible and getting that extra postseason is, is so important for this program, I guess. Yeah, because we talk about development and getting our players uh, more experienced. And then sometimes, um, number one, the bowl game gives you an extra game for that. But I think I, th I talked about last time was just the, the, those extra practices mean a lot. And so, um, it, it, to me, it's a great springboard to going into the off season for spring ball, and, and because your your season's only in the fall, you have to utilize the time correctly. And, and if you don't have a bowl game, you don't get those extra practices, and you don't get to see your guys develop. Um, believe it or not, guys can develop from August to December, and so when you get them in December, that's like another fall camp, but you'd get it later in the year when they've actually had months of being in the weight room and getting used to what, you know, the college life, getting used to the, the schedule. Um, and then, and then you get them kind of fresh and you get them practicing. It gives you some time to you know, do some live stuff, do some scrimmaging for, especially with the young guys and take advantage of all that time in, 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 in regards to their development. There's BYU football coach Kalani Sitake. We're going to take a break. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.